This is Voices, Stories of Change, a series of podcasts and interviews from Engage Nova Scotia. I'm Jeff Overmars. Fusion Halifax is a network of young professionals committed to fostering opportunities for connection, professional, and community development. On May 18th, the group hosted a full house for a panel discussion dubbed How Do I Stay? What follows is an unedited recording from the event. The panel brought together three young professionals who shared their experiences living, making a living, and choosing to remain living in the city and the province. While rural communities sometimes experience more severe and visible signs of out-migration of youth, cities like Halifax also wrestle with the evolving expectations, ambitions, and creating the conditions that attract and root young professionals to their home of choice. Sharing stories like those featured on the panel will continue to be part of the Voices series, as Engage continues to highlight the emerging new narrative of a changing Nova Scotia. The first voice you'll hear is Ali Breen of Fusion, the panel's facilitator. You guys are all here for How Do I Stay, which is our panel, and I just wanted to say a little bit about where this idea came from. Um, a couple of years ago, someone tweeted, like, there was a bunch of different people who were leaving Halifax, and they were doing, like, opinion pieces that appeared in the coast and the paper and stuff, and I remember someone tweeting, um, if you leave Halifax and you don't do an op-ed, have you actually left? <laughs> and I thought... That always stayed with me because I thought if we're complaining and having all these conversations about why we're leaving and why there's nothing, why can't we flip that and start to have conversations about what's good and what can change and how do we change it and how do we stay? Um, and so this panel was born. And so I'll invite our panelists to come up and then we'll just get started. So do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, uh, my name is Stephanie McDonald. I'm the Director of Marketing for the Atlantic Region for Cushman and Wakefield Atlantic, or a commercial real estate firm globally. Um, I also have a side hustle, so it's called Halifax Paper Hearts. You may or may not have um, seen our little quirky cute cards around the city. Uh, so we're carried in about 80 retail locations across the country currently. Um, we're about one and a half years old, and um, we've been profiled in a few magazines just sort of uh, and publications for more of an inclusive of inclusive and diverse focus in within our creating our, our designs. Hi everyone, my name is Ross Simmons, a digital marketing strategist. I run uh, multiple companies. Um, I run a company called Hustle and Grind, which is a coffee company. Um, we have about a hundred and some thousand followers on Instagram. Um, in addition to that, I run a software called Crate, which helps marketers manage their social media accounts. And I also run a consulting firm that helps uh, everything from B2B to enterprise brands across uh, the world um, with their social media and digital marketing. Hey, over to the serious side of the panel. <laughs> so um, I'm Vanessa Schoenard. I'm uh, an executive director of policy and innovation at the Department of Community Services for the province. Um, I do not have a side hustle. My side hustle is trying to get some sleep and eating some nutritious food to keep me going. So that's my side hustle. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, you guys can just share the knife back and forth. Don't let Ross steal it from no, you. No, I don't mind. I'm the introvert on the panel, too. So our first question for you is, um, what made you choose Nova Scotia as your home base? And why do you keep ch keep choosing to stay? Or did Halifax choose you? Do we have like a specific order? Or just nope, just anybody in? who feels like. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll start. So uh, my parents are both in the military. We've moved around quite a lot. Um, but when I was about six, we, we came to, um, and I was post up Shearwater over in uh, Dartmouth. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, it was always home for me. We certainly moved around a lot. We moved to Florida. I lived in Calgary, Victoria. Um, but this place always called me back home. So uh, now I do absolutely choose to live here. Um, I can't, uh, I just can't say I can't leave, but when I do leave, I always want to come back. I miss it. My, my family's here, my network, uh, the people that I've sort of started and grown through my professional career are here. Um, so yeah, it's, it certainly draws me home and it's uh, got a big piece of my heart, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So it would have been a late evening in 1986. My parents probably walked into a room listening to Barry White. Just kidding. Um, but uh, that is how I got here. Uh, and I've been here ever since. Um, so I'm just born and raised uh, here in Nova Scotia. Um, and I just have a bunch of family here and I just loved it. So I stuck around. So I'm not from here, um, and we were just saying, just saying, Isaiah, who who asked me to do this, um, it's a bit ironic I'm on the panel because I'm from a small town, Newfoundland. So how did I say it? it's like I actually got accused of contributing to their out migration this week? So um, because I grew up in small town, Newfoundland, I um, very quickly realized at 17, you know, I can't really stay here. I need to go to university. So my dad's actually from Nova Scotia, so I went to Saint Bex, you know. Um, Bled the, the X-Men. Um, <laughs> yeah, so went to the X and then um, went to Dell and did my master's. Um, then got a job in Calgary. Um, and before I went to Calgary, I fell in love and met my now husband. And uh, went anyway, though, because I said, you know, I'm young and keen and I have to take this opportunity. So um, he said, well, we said we were desperate to be together, of course. So he said, well, what are we going to do? He says, well, maybe I should come out there, the opportunities. I said, no, look, there's no soul here. There's no soul. There's no water. It's brown. It's, it's just terrible. <laughs> the only culture it has is the week of stampede in which people pretend they're from Texas. So that's not for us. <laughs> so, um, you know, but similar family was on this side of the country. So uh, we made a move back uh, to Halifax. So, been there since 2004, so I'll go back, 2004. Cool, thank you. Um, I know that you guys, when you came in, had an opportunity to write questions down. So if anybody does have any questions, um, Sarah is gonna be walking around kind of grabbing them from you, and then there'll also be an opportunity for you to ask your questions later if you feel like you wanna stand up. Um, so I just wanted to let you guys know that if you have burning questions, you can ask them. But for now, it's all about me. Okay? So. <laughs> um, uh, are there any great tools that you used within Nova Scotia to get experience, like a program or an organization that supported you and helped you or anything like that? Well, you make me go first every time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like the price is right, where like I, I bet, and then he's like, you know, $1. It's like, you win. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I found that a really interesting question when I was sort of reviewing some of the things we were going to be talking about, because for me, it's been kind of a combination. Like, a lot of the programs, per se, I certainly have experienced with Nova Scotia, but they didn't come from Nova Scotia. And I think that that's something that sometimes we can get stuck in is this idea of Nova Scotia being a silo. So, you know, like, we're not alone. Like, you know, the people who we're connected to, the people who we know. The interesting thing is, like, I know about you, for example, because I read your thoughts on the internet. We don't actually know each other yet in real life. 
So that actually happens outside of Nova Scotia as well. So I'd say in terms of specific answers, lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com, is how I learned graphic design. So when I was hired by Cushman, he hired me because he, he liked my attitude. And then when I sat down to design my first newsletter, like I swear she almost had a conniption fix. She's like, you don't design? And she's like, you're our marketing manager. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, I, I have a great attitude. <laughs> so lynda.com was huge for me. It taught me so much about you know design. Um, and so I call myself a graphic designer. I've literally built a graphic design business and I don't have a graphic design diploma or degree. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is really just getting out there. So the people in this room, like Sasha, we go back to when, you know, we were just starting our professional careers and, you know, working your way through and meeting people and connecting um, the people. And so I'd say Fusion absolutely connected me to a lot of people with the same ambition and big ideas that I had. Um, another one is the Halifax Chamber of Commerce. They have an ambassador program. And that really gave me the courage to walk into the room early in my career, uh, or earlier in my career, and uh, have a purpose for being there and feel like you know I could um, feel a bit more comfortable approaching people. And so that was a big one for me too. Cool. Thank you. So I also found that question really interesting. And I was like, oh god, I'm going to fail at this panel. I don't have a tool. <laughs> um, but I, when I thought about it, um, I thought tool, well, maybe not in the traditional sense, but I would say people is really sort of the tool that I leverage. Um, and that's in a, in a couple of sense. I guess you really need a champion, right? Like so, so in a small or a small environment like this, um, your reputation really matters. And having someone um, help champion you and get, maybe open a door to an opportunity, I would say is the best tool you can really you can really leverage, and I think you get to be championed, or someone will sign up to do that when you work hard and you're excellent at what you do. So I think focusing on excellence, hard work, um, and maybe a little bit less. I'm going to fail the panel. Less about um, where's the next great thing, where's the next best opportunity. But focus on what you're doing and be excellent, and then honestly. It will you you will speak for yourself. Your reputation will speak for itself, and then you'll get all the opportunities you want. Really, awesome. eight plus on that answer. No failing. Yeah. Um, so for me, some of the tools. Uh, I think the biggest thing that you can do uh, to kind of grow in your career and in life in general is just to be naturally curious. Um, and if you are curious, then you'll be able to find success eventually. Um, but to to actually scratch that itch of curiosity. I rely on tools like Quora, um, which is a uh, Q-U-O-R-A. Uh, it's a question and answer site. You go on there and you can literally ask anything about anything that your imagination can come up with. Um, and people who are some of the smartest in the world will answer you with uh, some detailed insights. So when I first got started, I asked like, how can I get into entrepreneurship? And then people would answer that question. I would ask, um, where should I um, go to learn about coding? And they would tell me exactly where I needed to go. Uh, I would ask something like, should I write an email back to this person who I sent a job application to? It's only been two hours. And they would tell me, no. <laughs> <laughs> they would provide you with that type of information and insight. So um, Quora is a great resource for that type of information. A lot of people hate on the website Reddit, but Reddit is also um, an amazing resource for grinding, finding great information. You just have to find communities that um, are tailored and focused around the specific uh, 
interest that you have, and then once you're in there, just inject yourself into it. I've won my fantasy football league solely from Reddit. Um, <laughs> outside of that, email and Twitter are also great, and the reason why they're great is because you can reach anybody in the world. A lot of people get caught up in this idea that because you live in Nova Scotia, you can only do business in Nova Scotia. The majority of my work comes from overseas and from the US. Um, and it's because of this crazy thing called Twitter, where you can send people tweets from all over the world, build these crazy relationships, um, and do some cool things because of it. So uh, embrace technology, uh, be curious, and don't be afraid to go outside of the little bubble um, of Nova Scotia. Awesome. Steph, you already answered my next question, which was, do you feel like your passion in your field can trump your work experience or education? So, oh, okay. Do you want me to comment on, more on it at all? Yeah, or? you can. Okay. Yeah, um, you're allowed. I think that uh, one thing that I've, I've sort of learned over time is that you know hustle is like hunger. You know, like you can't train it. You can't. Um, you can certainly learn how to channel that type of energy, but um, I think having a passion and a desire to do something will certainly lead you to have the courage to take the steps to go after what you want. So, absolutely, I think that you know passion is certainly directed. Absolutely. I have no idea what the question was. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel like um, passion trumps work experience or education? Um, passion trump. Do you have an answer? I, I was going to say I think it helps. <laughs> I think it's you know a great attitude and the ability to build great relationships is also going to make you successful. Um, Passion alone, I'm not sure that would have got me in the door. Um, you know, when I was first starting out, I think what got me the door were some credentials. What got me my first door was, you know, I did really great in school, so that opened a certain door. You think about what doors you need to open, right? And I think the passion can help you soar. The passion can help you get even greater opportunities and build a better story of your career. Uh, I do think you need a little bit of a, um, at least qualifications. Um, and again, finding a champion to maybe open that door for you. I think you know we can't lose sight of, of the need for someone to, to provide an opportunity that you have to fully step into and earn. But um, I'm not sure I would say passion alone is going to do it. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, the biggest thing that I would think about is like, where are you directing that passion? Right? Like anybody can beat Usain Bolt in a race if you're running this way and he's running that way. Um, like you need to direct your passion towards something that actually makes sense. So if you're passionate about something that the market wants, then you have an opportunity to succeed. But if you're passionate about something that the market doesn't care about, then you're not going to win. Like it's just impossible. Uh, the market doesn't care um, about your passion. They care about actually receiving value as a result of your passion guiding you to a place that delivers value to more people. Um, so I think that you have to be educated and you have to become passionate about something, but just make sure that your passion is towards something that um, can actually result in you staying here, um, if that's what you want to do. Cool. Thank you, guys. Um, Ross, you touched on this next one a little bit. Do you feel like a big fish in a little pond? Are your opportunities here limited or wide open and in what ways? So for me, I always look at myself as a little fish and I play the underdog as much as I can um, because it keeps me going, right? Like I think, um, I don't think of myself as a big fish in a small pond because I don't believe in borders, period. Like I don't look at 
what's the next person doing next to me in Nova Scotia? What's the next person in Toronto doing next to me? I'm like, okay, what's Zuckerberg doing? Um, and he's killing it. Um, so I'm like a small fish in the grand scheme of things. So for me, I just try to always keep my perspective wider. Um, and then, like Kendrick, it allows me to stay humble. Um, I definitely do not feel like a big fish. And it's so funny when you read questions like that, you're like, oh my god. Like, that's such a strange way to even think about yourself, I think, in a lot of scenarios. Um, I think we all, as ambitious people, all have moments where we don't feel like we're enough. And I think that it, it's not necessarily every day, but there certainly are a lot of opportunities, especially when you're challenging yourself and you're always pushing and wanting more, that you're gonna be like, oh, you know, I'm not enough for that. Or, or you know, can I do that? Or am I, you know, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I talented enough? Am I brave enough? And so I think um, you're always gonna face that struggle as you grow, no matter what. And for me, uh, I certainly feel more well-connected now than I was before when I was first starting my career, but that's come with you know almost a decade of work experience. And so people might look at where I'm at right now, early, early in their careers, and say like, oh cool, like that's a neat opportunity. Uh, you know, I would like to do something like that. Awesome. You absolutely can, because uh, you know we've spent the last 10 years, 15 years building, um, you know, careers. And so, uh, no, I don't feel like a big fish. I do feel like um, I've got more connections now here than I ever did before, and it certainly helps me not only to connect myself to new opportunities here and elsewhere, but also to others. So people that I'm talking with and meeting and connecting with here, I'm constantly connecting to, to other people. So, yeah. So I would put myself in the minnow category. Um, definitely not big fish. Um, I guess where I'm at in my career, a little bit different um, than say, say Ross or Stephanie, um, is that I'm actually really, really passionate about Nova Scotia public sector. So for me, the pond um, is a bit more contained, right? Because I'm not really looking at you know public sector environments or other other opportunities right now. I'm really passionate about serving Nova Scotians. So that kind of makes my pond a bit more contained. Um, but at the same time, it's really, really big because the challenges that um, the public sector are, uh, is seeking to solve, or at least help to better, are vast and they are broad. And the subject is broad. So I, I feel like um, I, I do see a career for me is remaining in the public sector and I keep thinking, where am I going to end up? Because actually, there's so the subject matter is so diverse, right? I started my career in IT, in a in a support team. Support team. I actually took like mainframe training. Okay, now I'm executive director of policy in social services. So I don't know if you know what we do, but we serve the most vulnerable people in Nova Scotia: people with disabilities, child welfare, um, income assistance. That's what that's my jam right now, right? So it's a very huge switch. So. I think, I think of it as a large pond in the sense of all there is to do and all there is to overcome, um, but definitely new. Great, thank you. Um, what are some of your best ways of making professional connections? <laughs> <laughs> professional connections. Um, 
I'm gonna butcher this one, kind of, but, uh, but like, I don't see a difference between professional connections and personal connections, right? Like, people are people at the end of the day, um, so I just try to make friends with people. Like, I don't go into a networking event and like, hey, I'm gonna make a professional connection today. Uh, that doesn't happen. I go to an event, I'm like, I hope I get to meet some cool people, um, and if I don't meet cool people, then on to the next one. Like, I just try to meet cool people, um, find people who are passionate about something, talk to them about their passions, um, see if you can help them, like try to help people more than uh, you take. So like be a giver, not a taker. That's one insight that uh, a friend of mine mentioned many years ago when we were talking um, over beers. It's like you want to be someone who gives more than you're always taking from others. So uh, that would be kind of my tip. But um, people are people, so I see it as kind of both the same. I'm constantly looking for ways to connect people to each other and to opportunities. And so for me, um, I find a lot of power in a one-off story. Uh, there's been situations where um, I've either seen something, seen someone doing something really cool that I'm really interested in, so I'll send them a note and just ask to have coffee. Um, sometimes it'll be a film chat. I know they're really busy and uh, you know traveling all the time. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Providing value that's been a hundred percent my focus from day one has been, you know, you certainly meet with someone that you admire, you pick their brain, you get their advice, everything else, but then they're in your mind, so you're always looking to connect the dots. Uh, for me, if I'm going through an RFP, you know, website for my full-time position, I see something in marketing, or I see something in web development, or I see something in recruiting, I'm sending those opportunities to people that I know. And then when you start to run into those people over and over again, um, you become you know, that person that, that creates opportunities for people, that person who connects, you know, others, um, when perhaps you're not the best fit. And so uh, you can actually build quite a reputation for yourself in terms of those meaningful one-on-one -on -one connections um, by just honestly always looking for opportunity uh, to connect people to each other and to opportunities that you see. So you're kind of a champion yourself. It just honestly, it brings me a lot of fulfillment. And I just like want to do a little aside here. You're welcome. Uh, a little, just an anecdote, something that happened in the last week that I think is really powerful and interesting. We have a friend in our professional network that is considering moving. And they have a great job, it's not quite fulfilling what they'd like to fulfill, they're curious, they want to explore, um, and they're also someone who's immigrated here within the last decade. And I think what can happen sometimes is we enter into this scarcity mindset where you're like, you can't go, what do you mean? Because we're having all these narrative sort of conversations around like, bring him here. That's not his burden to carry as an individual. He can't feel guilty to come and say, I'm leaving, oh God, good for you. You follow your heart, you're going after something, but what you do instead, you absolutely encourage them and you, you know, help them how you can. But then it's also my job to connect him to opportunities before he makes the decision to go. So in the last two weeks, I've connected into a board position, which I think he's going to accept here, and I've connected into two potential job opportunities. He can explore them, and if it makes his heart sing, amazing. And if it doesn't, that's fine, because I'm gonna keep doing my part to make this a vibrant and wonderful and incredible place to live, and place that I'm in love with, and hopefully one day, that will draw him and others back, but it's okay. It's not his burden individually to carry. And I think that, that we have to come from that abundance mindset and that we love you to stay. But ultimately, I want you to follow your dreams and be happy. And it's my job to get the opportunity. Absolutely. 
So again, the introvert on the panel, I'm like the worst networker ever. <laughs> I don't I don't jump at opportunities to go to networking events. In fact, I go, oh my god, someone wants me to go somewhere. Oh my god. When I say I said, oh, oh god, oh god, people. Um, but I would say that I network again in my own sort of um, public sector environment, and the way I do that really is take opportunities to to um, you know work outside your own um, exact or proper organization. You know, so we have a lot of cross departmental tables, or even in um, in the sector, nonprofits, things like that. So I think that would be my main approach on professional connections. But again. To me, it's not about the number of connections, it's like the quality of the connection. And back to your idea of what you mentioned about giving more, um, delivering on what you promise you're going to deliver on, guys, that will take you anywhere you want to go. If people know they can count on you, if you've made one connection, one group, and you deliver for that person, that person will connect you to other things. You know what I mean? So um, again, I guess if we focus more on the quality of the connection, the quality of the relationship, being kind and fulfilling your commitments, that's going to take you places. It's what's worked for me, despite the fact I'm an introvert and I can't stand that working. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, I, guess, I guess I just pose another um, option for. I do have one tactical advice uh, to give you guys around the networking thing. So one tip that I do um, when you go to an event and you meet a bunch of people, um, as soon as you're done talking to someone, you shake their hand and you say, talk to you soon. Turn around, pull out your phone, and you email yourself something that you know about that person or something that you learned about that person. Uh, write their name because if you meet a bunch of people in a day, you're not going to remember everybody's name. So I always email myself after I meet someone, uh, write myself, this person works at this company, um, they're having a hard time with this, send them this blog post, that type of thing. And then I go about my day, and then it's with the next person. Then I come home that evening, I have this list of people who I have to follow up with, and then I take care of it. That's great. Tactical tip. I thought you were going to use my tactical tip, which is, you know, you like always you're walking around and Halifax is relatively small, so you like see a hundred people you know when you're like walking on the sidewalk. <laughs> my tip is, if you see someone that you are like, oh my god, we should get coffee sometime. Don't leave it at sometime. Pull out your phone and actually make a date. Because sometime never comes. Like if you see someone you actually want a meaningful connection with on a sidewalk in Halifax, just pull out your phone and make a date. Totally. So yeah. Um, Bonus, tactics from Allie. Uh, <laughs> do you guys ever think about mentoring youth, like 20-something youth? I, I, I sort of adopt a lot of young women. Um, sometimes I don't want to be adopted. <laughs> 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 I remember having... Um, Anyone want to get adopted? A lot, yeah, I, I remember having a lunch um, with uh, someone. I actually, so I hired, when I first started public sector, I hired um, a young woman who was doing her MPA program and I hired her as an intern. She was awesome, she was smart, she delivered, she could take an unstructured problem and solve it and put, a, you know, put an approach together. It was actually really impressive. So I said, okay, well, I'm gonna keep her around. Well, she finished her, her master's, kept her around part-time and things like that. Um, then found a way, again, finding a champion through all the structures of public sector, got her into a permanent job, she earned it, you know. Um, and then for a while she stayed in that team. I moved on. And she was in it, I felt was a bit too long. So we had a lunch planned, so we got together for lunch, and of course she thought she was probably instantly coming to a lovely, <laughs> just catch up lunch. And instead I decided to say, what are you doing with your career? 
you've been there too long, you're not growing, it's time to move on, chop, chop, what's your, what's your plan, right? What's your plan? I'm like, you know what, things, shit's getting stale now, so, you know, you're, you're not learning and you're not growing, um, you know what, I, I don't think you're going to get opportunities there, I think you need to look for something else, and you know what, she did, I think she was like, oh, oh God, oh, God, oh, God. that kind of advice, thank you, um, so, you know, that's the kind of thing that I do. I have a, I, I tend to lean towards, you know, young women because I guess I I see so often women, young women seem to struggle with, you know, I feel society's wanting me to do this. Um, you know, my, I guess I grew up thinking my life has to look like this. So, I know, I try to just, you know, adopt them and say, like, there's, there's lots of different ways to live in your life. And the main thing is finding... Just deciding what you need in a life because you only have one life to live, and then going for it. And, and I guess it seems like there's a lot of burdens on young women, and I feel like you know if they need a champion, I'm there to be their champion whether they want me to adopt them or not. Great. So next time you girl like reach out to me for coffee and be like, no. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Yeah, I'm kidding. That's awesome. Um, so, so tonight my partner in business, Allie, she is here with me, and um, Allie and I have a really um, unconventional relationship in that actually she interviewed me back when she was working for Knights Ridge Robert and Threat earlier earlier in our career. And yeah, are you kidding? Me. <laughs> and as we were talking, and she's interviewing me, she's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna need you to like contain your energy in the interview a little bit, like just just, just like here." And you like, won't scare them. And then we're like, and she's like, and I want to be a friend. So can we be friends? I'm like, yes, absolutely. So long story short, Allie and I, um, actually, Allie now works um, with me in Paper Heart. She has her own distribution company, and I was her first client. And you may have seen her product, Nova Box, which has been super popular all over the media, um, where she's selling Nova Scotia Makers products. Um, so it's really interesting because through our own journey in entrepreneurship, and the reason I'm telling you that story is we, um, the other day, we're having a conversation where I'm like, I'm going to add a little note in our spreadsheet about with our sales strategy about how many entrepreneurs we've been mentoring. And the only reason is because we both love it and we're both um, get a lot of energy from other people's ideas and, and, and that sort of thing. And I just wanted to have a, a little notion of all the different people we're meeting. And so, um, absolutely, I constantly am, am doing that, but not a formal capacity. So for me, mentorship has never felt okay to be exclusive in that I've never felt comfortable to approach someone and have that type of conversation personally, but I absolutely have used people in my life um, in different ways to sort of solve different needs. And I think that, I'd like to think that we're doing the same thing. So when people are coming to us and saying, I've got this idea, we're like, okay, we know how to do ideas, we can do this. Um, and you know, it's something around strategy, if it's around leadership, if it's around you know, HR and recruiting. Um, between the two of us, I find that we're often sort of having those conversations and giving people a little bit of a tidbit in one area. Um, but absolutely, I think it's very important and it's very rewarding. Yeah. It, you get, I get more energy, I think, from those conversations than they do. Like, I come out of it with all this, like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, absolutely, I do, and uh, we do, and uh, I think it's super important. 
Um, somewhat, yeah. So the way that I look at it is, in life you always want to have uh, three types of people in your world professionally. You want to have somebody who you aspire to be like and who is doing great things. Uh, you want to have a peer so you guys can kind of bounce ideas back and forth. And then you want to have somebody who you see a younger you in um, and you want to help them kind of develop themselves. So I try to constantly have people in my life that fall into all of those different spectrums. Um, with As it relates to mentorship, similar to what Stephanie had mentioned, it's definitely not a formal thing. Um, I get emails, do not send me an email saying, can you be my mentor? Um, I will say no, um, but feel free to ask me questions. Um, but like, I don't like the whole concept of a formal mentor. Um, so it's more like, uh, we're friends, you happen to be kind of just early on in your career and you looked at me for some advice, um, but like, I would offer mentorship to like employees and things like that. I'm hiring, if you're in the marketing space, get at me. Um, so what I'm hearing from you guys is you all, through your relationships, people kind of come to you or you approach them and you're like, hey, I can help you. Yeah, you attack people. Attack people. And the boss is like, I might identify them. And you're not kind of in the middle. Yeah, okay. All right. So generally, if people wanted to have that relationship with you, it would be first through a connection that they have with you. Not for me. So it's not necessarily through a connection. Like okay. if you, it goes back to that idea around adding value. Like a lot of people can get on my radar just because they're killing it in their own little space, and then I'll be like, "You're doing some cool stuff. We should chat." And then from there it becomes a relationship. Or I see them at a networking event, and they hear me talking about how I'm hiring, and then they send me like five great people who I should hire. Oh, I'm mentoring you all day um, <laughs> if you do that. So like, those are the types of things where if you add value to somebody's life, then they're gonna give you love back. Kind of thing. Great, thanks. Um, what is your take on unpaid internships? Nope. <laughs> do you have any alternatives? <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> So Wu-Tang said, cream, cash rolls everything around me. Um, everybody has bills. So you can't pay your bills with uh, unpaid internships. So um, I've never worked them. I do not believe in them. I wouldn't try to get somebody to work for me unpaid. Um, I've hired people when they're like second year university, first year university, where they would volunteer to work with me. And I'm like, no, I gotta pay you for your time. Um, because time is money, like at the end of the day, like you were saying, you have one life to live. Um, and if you're spending your time doing something, that time could have been spent with your spouse, that time could have been spent skydiving. You need to be compensated for your time if you're adding value. Um, so I just think that people who are going to employ you, if they cannot pay even minimum wage, then they're not good at business. Um, and that might sound harsh. And if somebody's on an unpaid internship where you do that, then I'm sorry, but real talk. <laughs> um, I would say it depends. I would say if you're in school and there's an opportunity to do an internship, I mean, take it because it's an opportunity. Uh, I'm with you. When you finish school and you're like, oh, I gotta get my life going, I gotta like, pay the student loans. Student loan grade train is over. Now I gotta actually pay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't probably spend my time in an unpaid internship. I think though, with an opportunity while you're in school to make some connections and to get some, uh, to potentially find a champion, um, that could be a, you know, an interesting window to do that. Yeah. But other than that, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't keep looking for something. 
Oh, this is hard because I, I don't find that personally I don't feel comfortable having an opinion on something that's so broad for so many people. So certainly if you see a value and you want to be there bad enough and that's the only way you can figure out how to do it, that's on you. If you're if you're comfortable with that risk and you get enough value out of that, then you know that's on you. I would encourage people to be really creative. So um, I never have had a job that was posted online ever. Never. I've always either gone to you know meetup.com and you know networking in commercial real estate or networking in real estate investing or networking in young professionals or whatever it is, meeting people, asking for copies, um, providing value, and then just finding opportunities through those connections. Um, so I would say that you would surprise yourself with the opportunities that exist that are not in your my career at Dow or Sue or Mount St. Vincent or whatever. So I think that that also speaks to that mentorship attitude. When if I have someone that comes to me that just wants to have a business so they can stand on a platform and be visible, get out. If you want to be there because you like want it and I can see it and you're like trying and even if you're not making money, I don't care because you're just, you know, you're out there trying to make it happen. I will spend all the time in the world with you because you are not coming to me saying like, but how do I do it? But why? But what tools? But that didn't work. Like, I'm not interested. Like, um, so I think getting creative and coming to, you know, there are so many interesting government programs now that help businesses hire young graduates. You can literally come to someone, and I've had people come to me at Cushman, with a paper in hand that says, here's how you can pay for 50% of me for a year. I'm in. You know what I mean? Like, if you can come in and be creative and solve a problem for me, I know that you're going to come in and provide value and upside on my bottom line because you're smart and you get it. Not to say we have to rely always on government alone to provide those opportunities, but if you can look to be creative in those types of ways and you can come to a business owner who absolutely gets it and you can say, I can provide value and I haven't even stepped in the door yet, I'm in. Awesome. I know the link to that site that you're talking about with all sorts of opportunities, so I'll get our Twitter people to tweet it out um, after the event um, because, yeah, there's a couple of links to different government programs where you can absolutely get, um, like, if you see an opportunity with someone and you think it's going to be unpaid, like, having 50%, yeah, yeah it's great. Just pay okay. your rent. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, I know Sarah has been going around and asking people for questions. Do you have a few that you want me to bring up? Just what time is it? Um, just after seven. Okay, um, Okay, so this is a two-parter. Um, how do we encourage employers to hire the younger generation? And, flip side, how do we get the younger generation to stay despite a lack of jobs? I feel like we touched on the second one a little bit about using creativity to find opportunity, um, but let's maybe focus on that first one. How do we encourage employers to hire the younger generation? Your turn. <laughs> so I don't have any like science backed or stats backed. I see you have graphs behind you, so maybe you to support my claims. But I think I think organizations want to hire young people. Like, I don't think that it's a, a thing that organizations don't want to do it. I think that there's a gap in the sense that a lot of the organizations either, one, don't have uh, an understanding of how they can pay for it, similar to what Stephanie was talking about, 
or they just don't have the budget because they're employing people who have been in their careers for a long time and growth is just stagnating. Um, I think that at the end of the day, a lot of the burden, which is somewhat stressful, is on the employee-to-be to kind of make themselves desirable to an employer to the point where they're like, I'm willing to take a risk on this young person because I see so much potential in them that I'll invest, I'm willing to help train, I'm willing to uh, put in that initial investment into them so they can grow into something special. So I don't really think that organizations don't want to hire young people. I think that a lot of organizations don't have the budget and a lot of organizations might not um, have the ability to kind of uh, get creative to Stephanie's point. I think I agree with you. I mean, in the province, we want to hire young people. I love hiring young people. Um, you know what? Smart, hungry people that are willing to work hard. Um, yeah, I love it. I think we struggle a little bit in the public sector because we're an old system, right? So there's a lot of parameters on specific jobs and requirements and qualifications and this many years and all that. So I guess what I would say is, if you're a young person, and if you're interested, say, for example, I speak in my domain in the public sector, um, I think, you know, look for opportunities that are a bit more entry level, but don't fall into the trap of just taking anything. Because then, if you're, if you, if, for example, if you wanted to um, have a career in the public service, just taking anything may not get you where you need to go because you do need to kind of build that story and get the right experiences. So I guess why I say take something maybe that's more entry level, just be a bit selective on what you would actually take. And the other thing I do find is sometimes um, young people, uh, what we want it all right now, I say we, I'm not, oh, I'm 36, I'm old now, um, want it all right now. And oh, well, I want to be, I have, a, I have an MBA, so I'm gonna, I need to be a manager. Well, like, all due respect, you don't have a day of work experience, so let's you know let's be a bit realistic, I guess too. But I, I love hiring, and, and your and your day will come, and that's not that's not an old school way of you have to pay your dues. It's not that it's that you have to kind of earn it. You have to demonstrate that you deserve the opportunity. Oh, 100%. Right. So I think just think about the opportunities you're seeking because people want to hire young people. Yeah, I um, I would agree, and I also, I really don't love the narrative of that question, in that like, businesses are hiring young people. It might not be the most significant, big, you know, demographic shift going on right now, no. Um, but like, business, everyday businesses in the private sector are hiring young people. They're not only hiring young people, but they do hire young people. Um, I think that it goes back to what I said about it being online. If you're going to look for a job and you want to work, let's say you want to work in a marketing firm, and you go on Indeed, and you look for the word marketing, and there's nothing there that interests you and or you've applied for everything there. So what does that lead to? That leads to me deciding if I've applied for every job in Nova Scotia in marketing, there's no jobs for me in Nova Scotia in marketing. Have you found every single marketing person that you can find that's doing cool things that you want to do, or maybe that just got into that firm, you know, in an entry level position. Have you asked them for their guidance and advice and insight into what you can be doing? Have you asked them to review your resume over coffee? Have you gone to the recruitment firms and said, hey, this is me, this is what I did, can you look at my resume, what can I do? Um, people in this city will answer your calls and answer your emails when you reach out to them. And so I would just encourage you to have enough courage to know that you're enough just as you are, even if you're not quite at the level you wished for yet, mm -hmm. or your resume isn't absolutely perfect yet, 
if you go and you put yourself out there in really in ways that make you feel good, you would surprise yourself with the opportunities that you could create for yourself. And so I would just encourage you to just not limit yourself. Yeah, to that point, I would say when you're reaching out to people, um, if you want advice from someone, ask for a job. If you want a job from someone, ask for advice. Um, like people are more likely to give you a job if you're just curious than they are if you're going in like, can I get a job? Can I get a job? Can I get a job? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you how you can get a job. Um, so like, just make sure that you're approaching it the right way. Exactly. <laughs> And to your point, um, Stephanie, I think I'll say this stat. A lot of people hear this stat a lot. There's the 20-80 rule. Only 20% of jobs are posted online, and 80% are the hidden job market. They're not posted anywhere. But the flip side of that rule that a lot of people don't know is that 80% of the people out there only apply to the 20% that are online, and 20% apply to that huge hidden job market, 80%. Yeah. So if you look at the jobs that aren't posted online, you have a better chance. So if your resume isn't the best ever, you, you have a better chance if you do go those other routes. Yeah. And take opportunities to make it better. If it's not the best ever, there are so many people in the city that can help you to make it better. There's resource centers, there's your university centers, there is business people in the field you're working in, there's recruitment firms, like just ask. And the best way to make it better is to just create something yourself. Like you don't need to create the next Facebook, but like come up with something. It can be as simple as an Etsy shop or something down at the farmer's market. Show that you actually have some ambition and create something so you don't have a gap between when you graduated and when you send your resume. Like go out, create something. It could be a comic book, it could be a lemonade stand, I don't care what it is. Show that you're doing things um, and people take notice. Great, thanks guys. Um, you kind of touched on some of these questions while you were talking, but there's one that stood out a little bit for me is how important, in your opinion, how important is it for the province to keep international students once they graduate? Oh, I love international students. Um, <laughs> you know, I love international students. I love new Canadians. I love new residents. Um, the diversity it brings to your teams, it's awesome. Um, I think there's something else too, like, no offense to all the locals, um, but there's something about, you know, newcomers to Canada, newcomers to Nova Scotia that, that shows a real hunger to be here, to contribute, to work hard and build a reputation and do all those things that sometimes doesn't exist with, um, um, with a set of people that grew up with in a certain privilege, frankly. and. Um, you know, I, I think it's great. I think the biggest the biggest benefit is the diversity that it brings and perspectives and experiences. I have a guy on my team who, um, you know, worked um, in Maersk, you know, with Maersk. And I was like, oh my God, it's like a giant shipping company. And he said that he, um, in his experience, he had to run projects between um, India, Pakistan, and a couple other countries in the region. And I said, well, geez, if he can handle that, and he's really a God, he can handle, you know, he can handle our stuff. I mean, so um, I just think it's, it brings with it a lot of interesting background and experiences. So I love international students. I do too, and I think it really is important to us also to remember that I, I was so moved by the chamber dinner last week. It was all themed about immigration, and I think that it's interesting because in the narrative we hear sometimes we do have that attitude where you know you have 
and you know, strong enterprises and families coming and building roots here. But I think it is important to remember that we sometimes we say things like that they might, you know, it might not be as privileged. But a lot of people are actually much more privileged in oh, some cases. No, no yeah. So like, no so I would say that it is just it, it's something. Sometimes when we talk about it under a broad blanket, we can yeah. certainly, um, you know. I just want to make sure that that, you know. No, no, and, and please don't misunderstand me. I certainly, I certainly recognize yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Um, I just, there is a bit of a different mentality um, in some cases of, of people who grew up here. Totally, Canada, totally, right? absolutely. And one of the statistics that that was shared with the chamber, to speak exactly to your point, was that um, they, that uh, immigrant families were, I think it was, it was an astounding number, like, uh, somewhere between 50 and 70% more likely to start a business here. And then actually we're 40% more likely to succeed in business than a Canadian uh, born entrepreneur, which I thought was amazing. And the other really interesting thing that they talked about was the fact that, well, we can do it here. So stand up if you were not born in Halifax. What? Oh my God. Stand up if you were not born in Nova Scotia. Okay, good. Stand up if you were not born in Canada. Okay, now, stand up if your grandparents were not born in Canada. Stand up if your great-great-grandparents were not born in Canada. We are all the children of immigrants. It's amazing how quickly that dynamic can change. If someone's parents were not born in Canada, but they were, the people that are here grew up here. They speak English the same way that natural like born can, you know Canadians do. They have the same friends, they have the same experience, they have the same education. It's so interesting how quickly we can move to that mentality of otherness. Mm -hmm. We are all the children of immigrants, with the exception of the First Nations, you know, people who were here before us. So, so it's just, it's an interesting notion, you know, in that I feel like I absolutely love and value all of my international friends. All of the people that I've had the pleasure of working with, I absolutely agree with you that there is a willingness and an eagerness and a, uh, an enterprising attitude that's absolutely amazing. But I also was just blown away by really thinking about immigration in that so many of us, um, our stories and our family stories start in immigration. Thanks for that little... Yeah. Activity of it. I like activities. <laughs> okay. Did you want to add that? I think it's huge. Yeah. I don't think anyone can disagree that immigrants are valuable. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so here's one that actually, you know, it just came up. Uh, someone that I know just took. Um, so, what advice would you give to someone that is working part time in a field that's irrelevant to their major? Um, in school or their career focus, um, and you know they have to take the job to pay the bills. But then, what do they do because they have no relevant work experience to their field? What advice would you give those people? My background before and in university was like future shop, commission, sales. You know, like you do what it takes to pay the bills and to make sure you're not in a situation and sometimes where perhaps you're in more debt than you're comfortable with, or or that sort of thing. And you know, what's really interesting is like sales people experience, 
Um, all of those things are so closely tied, not only in the private sector, but in the public sector too. Mm -hmm. Being able to sell ideas, being able to sell um, you know, uh, services, um, being able to influence people's decisions. It all comes back to these entry-level positions that we take to pay the bills in the beginning. And I, I think it can certainly feel like, oh, you know, this is not relevant to my major. I never majored. And you don't necessarily have to. You do if you have specific ambitions that require it, certainly. But I think there can be a lot of um, focus on that in university and, you know, focus at where you are today. And um, it's really all of the skills you're learning, the people skills, even basic customer service, absolutely sets you apart when you're starting to look for something in your field, no question. <laughs> um, I would say, like, uh, just because you have a nine to five or you have a part time gig doesn't mean that you can still, you have to, like, stifle your passion for your industry. Um, like, find ways to be a part of it, go to things like this, um, meet people who are in your field, shake hands, kiss babies, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> go out and, like, connect with people in those industries. I think that that's really the key. You have to put in some additional time on the side, but at the end of the day, you also don't have to do what your degree says you have to do. Like if you're passionate about what you're doing now on the, your part-time gig, you don't have to necessarily do what you got a degree in because of it. Um, I know people who have a physics degree and now they're trading hedge funds. Like it's, uh, you don't necessarily have to follow a certain path. So I love hiring people that have completely different backgrounds. So. Um, there's one in the audience here who, um, am I allowed to say where you work? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Isaiah worked at uh, Caterpillar, and he interviewed with us, um, again, social services department in the province, um, over Skype. And um, I wasn't on the panel, but um, the, the lady that works for me who, who hired Isaiah directly, you know, she said, I can see, I can see something in this guy. Again, like we said, we're not talking maybe like future shop. Like he had real professional experience, um, but again, very different than maybe what you would have seen in the job posting. So it's really about being able to sell yourself in the skills you have, the experiences you have, to fit kind of the opportunity that you're seeking. Right? There's a, there's a way of telling your story. It's kind of like tying a, like wrapping a gift. Really tie that bow. Tie the bow so it suits the person who's going to receive the gift. You know, and I think that's really important. Obviously, he was very good. Ask him for tips because he was really good. <laughs> Great. Thanks, guys. Um, another question here. How do I stay if I'm a writer? Any advice? I'm a writer. Um, so I write. I write for Forbes. I write for Elite Daily. I write for... MSN, all those people. Um, so my advice to somebody who wants to write, take, build your first, take control of your own voice. So like, don't rely on the Heralds, the CBCs, the local media companies. Uh, be your own media outlet. Uh, start by creating www.yourname.com um, and start writing your thoughts there. Um, once you've done that, you have to take uh, your writer hat off and become a marketer, and then you have to promote yourself. So uh, you have to actually spread your content, put it up on Facebook, spend, spit it out on Twitter, try to build an email list, start to circulate your content to those people, um, be aggressive in spreading your message out there. 
Um, as you start to do that and you start to build up a reputation for being somebody who knows how to write well, uh, you will eventually start having people knock on your door asking you to do things for them as it relates to creating more content, um, that kind of thing. You can eventually write books, which you can monetize, you can do all kinds of things. So um, if you're a writer, you, the opportunities are endless because of this crazy thing called the internet. Um, so yeah, like I don't think that if you're a writer, you have to be a starving writer. Uh, I think you can make a lot of money. Um, you just have to navigate it the right way. Great, you guys have any? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard pass on those Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, any questions from the audience? Anybody wanna stand up and be brave? I'm just giving you the floor. Does it have to be questions? No. Okay. Uh, give me a second, I'll have to go through this. Okay, you guys were talking about passion trumping experience. I, I wanted to say it when you guys were talking, but I have one word, airplanes. They did not start with any experience, any knowledge, any skills in any area whatsoever, but they had the passion, so they went and they learned the skills, they learned the information. But it is the passion that drives the learning and drives the skills. But if you have skills and don't have the passion, I find that people don't really go very far with it. There's no challenge and they tend to back away from whatever they have skills in. That's a great point. Anybody else want to say anything? Or anybody have some truth bombs they want to lay on us? Go ahead. Up here in the back. I have a question. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you guys consider uh, hard work in Canadian terms and in Nova Scotian terms? Is that so the, from other cultures and uh, nations. So the question was, what do they consider hard Nova Scotian work versus hard Canadian work? Well, as well as Canadian work, like as an immigrant, you know, I'm not familiar necessarily with what is hard work considered here. Oh, like, what's the notion of hard work? Yeah, like, how would you define that? I, I don't know that I don't have a definition of hard work. To me, it's about um, it's not about the hours. It's certainly not about um, it's not about the you know the inputs, um, but it's about the delivery and successful delivery and commitment. If I know somebody says they're going to get something done, and if they do it well and they do it on time, they meet their commitments. If I have that, see that in you, oh baby, we're gonna go far together. Because honestly, the ability to count on someone to really make something happen, um, oh, that's that that equates to hard work. I don't care if it took you two hours or if it took you twenty hours. I actually really don't care at all. I want I want to see excellence. So to me, excellence is the main outcome we want. I don't really care about the inputs. Does that make sense? I mean, it all makes sense, right? I'm just uh, asking for your opinion because you all were talking about uh, if you work hard, right? Yeah. But you know, you hear that everywhere in the world, right? But it can mean so many different things. To me, it equals delivering. So, delivering on, delivering yeah, on, yeah. So I define hard work uh, also by delivery, but I think there's a. I'm a somebody who always talks about hustle, um, and I think that it is it's pure hustle, which means like you actually try to optimize the amount of hours in your day to actually deliver as many things as possible that allow you to get closer to achieving the lifestyle that you want to achieve. So everybody here is different, right? Like not everybody here is, wants to work 
um, crazy hours and walk home with a $500,000 a year paycheck. Not everybody wants to do that because they want to watch Netflix and chill. They want to be able to hang out on the weekends on the patio and drink a beer. They're not built to do that. And that's completely okay. Um, but hard work is being consistent, being persistent, seeing an obstacle, and just consistently um, delivering results, to your point, um, around the things that you want to accomplish. So uh, I think that it is being persistent. Like you're going to, uh, one of the things that I think causes our generation a lot of anxiety is the fact that the work is never done. Um, and because the work is never done, we get caught up in this idea that it's always there for you to do. I think what we need to recognize is that everybody's winging it. Whether you're in, in this business for hundreds Don't of years, <laughs> or whether you're somebody who's fresh into your career, like everybody is winging it and just going and trying to do the best they can. Um, so when you look at your to-do list and it feels like it's never ending, that's because you're not dead. Congratulations. Um, keep going, right? Like that's what it's all about. So um, I think that hard work is being persistent um, and being persistent until you get lucky to kind of find those quick wins. Because I do believe that you can hustle very hard and just never get that lucky break, and that sucks. But I also recognize that there's some privilege that everybody has where um, if you have, if you're rolling the dice enough, you'll get lucky. Um, so I think that it's just being consistent and persistent. Uh, with your efforts. I was going to add, Bill, on what you're saying. That yeah, so it's delivering. Um, like I went on and on and on about. But I guess also the person that says, "Hey, I have some capacity. What can I do?" Or, "Hey, I have some capacity. I see this issue that's going to come, and I think I have a solution. Right. What can we? This is what I think we should do to fix it. Coming with a recommendation. Coming with a, I see something on the horizon. Or maybe you don't see anything, but you're willing to take something on." that goes a long way as well. So that really shows the initiative, um, and I think that yeah. that really demonstrates certain character. I would say that for me, a card work is certainly an attitude. And so people can often get uh, busy being busy, but maybe not busy being productive. And I think that there's a big difference in that. And so um, for me, it, it does come down to an attitude. Um, not everyone's idea of hard work is going to be the same. It certainly is going to be shaped by the social norms, by your family, by uh, people around you, by your circumstance. Absolutely. But it also comes down to your attitude, and not just an attitude to do more, but also, so for me, people will often, you know, look at, oh my gosh, you have this job, and you have this business, and you're on the board of the chamber, and you're doing all these things, and it's great for me to be busy and, to, and all of that, but hard work for me doesn't mean the traditional like Gary V hustle, like give up everything, work till 3 a.m., what are you doing between nine and five in the morning? And like, I would be dead. Like I, I would be, no. So I'm in bed at nine, which is ridiculous. Cause I'm still in my twenties for two more months. Woo. Um, but I don't function when I'm not well rested, when I'm not eating food that makes, you know, that is good for me. Uh, when I am not getting enough rest, when I'm not getting enough connection time with my friends, I just don't, and physical exercise. When I don't do that, when I'm not in a structured routine that revolves around those basic things, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not a hard worker. I, I, I'm exhausted when that, when that happens. And so I think it's important that for some people that metric is going to be the hustle. It's going to be getting as many you know, deliverables with a focus completed as possible to lead me close to my dreams. For me, it is a balance. 
It's my attitude to absolutely provide value and excellence and you know to, to, to really just come to the table providing value constantly. That's always kind of where I come from. But it's also recognizing that for me it isn't it is about a little bit more in that, you know, I have to be well rested, you know, and, and taking care of myself first before I can really, you know, work myself to the bone. If that makes any sense. Totally. Any other like stuff that you do to make sure that you take care of yourself first? Like what's your oxygen mask, you know? Mine is um, I would say, you know, exercise for sure. I think when I first started my job, um, I was fairly young to be in the role, so I think I was, um, I was I think 33 when I was hired into the job. And I could have stayed there all night, every night, and like the list never ended, right? The list just never ends. Um, so I quickly was like, okay. So after about a year of that, I was like, this is not gonna work, right? <laughs> because I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not keeping myself healthy. So I, I kind of established some parameters of, look, shut it down, go to the spin class, or go whatever. <laughs> Um, leave, go get a bit of a break, and then if it's that critical, I just pick it up when I get home. And you know what? Seven times out of ten, it's not that critical. It had to be done that night, and you can pick it up the next day. Because the list is never ending. Um, you do have to find some ways to have some boundaries and to protect some of your time to ensure that you are healthy and you are, are nourished, that you do get some sleep. Because I promise the stresses of the job will probably wake you up and all that. So you gotta, you know, you definitely gotta go to sleep. Um, but it, it will, that will take time to develop. And maybe early in your career, you're gonna have a lot of sleepless times. But then eventually, the pace will, the pace can kill you. So you really do have to find those constraints and parameters you set for yourself. Yeah. So I definitely go to extremes um, both ways. <laughs> um, if I'm working, I'm working for like a long time, long period of time, and it's an intense sprint. And then when I'm relaxed, I'm jumping out of a plane, going skydiving or something crazy. Um, so I like to do cool stuff, um, and I like to balance it with working hard. So I try to do fun things that I always wanted to do, um, but at the same time, I do like make time for weekends away with friends, and then I'll unplug for a weekend and stuff like that. Um, I like to cook a lot. That's kind of like my way of um, kind of that's my yoga. Pretty I good. also do yoga. Um, but yeah, like I love cooking. Um, I can throw down in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, like that's what I would do. Okay. Thanks. Any more questions? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, can I take someone in the back first? Is that all right? Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so you were talking about um, only 20% of jobs are posted online and 80% are in the hidden job market. Yeah. So like, where is this hidden job market? Like, is it about networking or is there sort of like this secret place where I can go drop off my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's a good question. That's why I don't like using the term hidden job market because people are like, where is it? <laughs> right? Um, it is, it's totally what these guys have been talking about all night. It's about networking, it's about building connections. It's about having champions. It's about having allies. It's about noticing what's going on in your community. It's about seeing something coming on the horizon, coming up with a great solution to it, and then pitching that to the right person at the right time. My first few jobs, I can say, um, so again, I started in private sector oil and gas. <laughs> Complete shift, <laughs> um, right? The wealthy to the poorest. Um, so I started oil and gas and IT. Then I said, okay, gotta get back to Nova Scotia. I went to work for a Deloitte consulting 
um, for a bit and um, met a colleague there again. So again, I guess networking, but in a kind of tighter environment. And he, you know, went on to a smaller local consulting firm and a few months into his job there, he met my coffee. He's like, do you want a job? Like we're hiring, it's a really cool place. I was like, okay, great, let's, okay, I'm in. Right, so it was kind of like that. And then same, the next one, he went on somewhere else and, and he said, I'm going to do this thing, like, we're going to have this posting because it was a bit more of a structured environment. And I said, okay, sure. Like, I'll, you know, so, so um, I guess really, though, making those powerful relationships, even if it isn't, I guess, really getting to know people that um, kind of have a bit of a rising star also will help you, right? Because they will even create opportunities for you, right? So... Hit your star to the right wagon, and however, like, however, the, however the saying goes. I work with a lot of um, employers that are that are recruiting, and if they don't have to post a job oh, and deal with uh, hundreds of resumes that are completely unrelated to what they're doing, I get asked looking for all the time. Yeah. Do you know anyone who's looking for a job? Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone good? Actually, I was gonna. Yeah. Do you know, do you know anyone good? Yeah. I, ha- I have a couple of friends who own consulting businesses. I an old consulting firm I used to work for. Always get asked, do you have any good people for us to hire? Yeah. Ross just asked me the other day. <laughs> so Grand Judah was like, I'm hiring someone for marketing, like send them my way. And so like that's how you do it. If you and I had met last week and you're like, I want to be in marketing, and then you know, I'd be like, Oh great, Ross is hiring. Done. Yeah. If you can get past the wall of Ross. Sure. <laughs> and, and for me, I would pass you on if I knew you were good. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The reputation thing, right? Yeah. Um, was there another question here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is your view on the typical Nova Scotia mindset where a lot of us, okay, I don't want to include myself, but a lot of people here think that there's a lack or that we're limited or that whatever. What's your view on that? And how can we actually change that? I like that how can we change that. I feel like we touched on what do we, we don't, I feel like I can say we don't feel like there's a lack up here, um, but how can we change that narrative? How do we flip it? Maybe. Trying to 100% has to do with an abundance mindset. So if you if you ever are in a situation where you feel like there's not enough, there's not enough, you know, they're taking from me rather than thinking, oh no, we create more together. It's not all ships rise, that, that sort of rising tide floats all boats. If, if another card maker pops up in the city of Halifax and they ask me for a meeting and they want to talk about it, I meet with them. I talk to them about, you know, things that that they're going to face, and, if, and they ask me their questions. And I, do I give them like a handbook with my line sheet and all my retail partners? No, <laughs> I don't. Because it's important for them to find their own voice and for them to connect to the right people that are their fit. There's enough business for everybody. And if I operate, in, especially in this market in, in Halifax, that is in a smaller city, we are all so interconnected in ways that I never even learned of, you know, until the last few years, where there was a local card maker who reached out to me, and your first reaction when it first happens to you might be one of ego or fear or there's not enough or whatever. Uh, but as you progress, and I think as you get more confident in finding your own voice, you understand that those people aren't competing with you. It's a community. It's not competition. Yeah. And so I think if we continue to, to sort of choose abundance, choose more than enough, Choose creating, collaborating, partnering, working together, choosing to build people up. I think that we absolutely can contribute to that narrative and that it's all of our responsibility, if we feel that way, to certainly share it. And I think that I, I certainly take every opportunity I can in the interviewing that I've done um, to sort of say that, where, whereby you know, entrepreneurship can be what you want it to be. It's just taking ownership 
It doesn't need you need to have a service, a product. If you're providing value, if you're sharing ideas, if you are owning you know, what it is that you're doing, that is entrepreneurship. And if you can build that and scale that and make that into something that's even bigger, that's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys want to? Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one last question for you guys. Uh, what would you say to your 24-year-old self if you could Calm just... Calm the fuck down. <laughs> I would probably say, one day you're going to be the boss, and you can kick that fucker in the nuts. <laughs> really. Like, you know, like you're not always going to work for a dickhead. Because we're all going to work for people who, you know, are not that nice, you know, and and you will you will be the leader one day. That's what I would say. So, chin up. Awesome. And you can do more. It's like Tony Robbins says. You can do. Oh, were you gonna say that? No. Okay, good. Awesome. <laughs> he says you can do. You we underestimate what we can do in a decade, and we overestimate what we can do in a year. And so when I said that, what I like I. You don't need to have all the answers right now. Like it certainly can feel like you need to make your decisions, and you know it's going to affect absolutely everything. Certainly, it will guide you in the direction you're going. But like, just like give yourself a little break. Like, certainly have courage. Reach out. Do what you can. Follow your heart. Absolutely. But like, calm. Like, calm down. Like, it, it's fine. You are. Yeah. yeah. My advice would be um, to 24 year old me. I have no clue. I think it would be around uh, the value of relationships. So um, invest time in relationships even outside of the province. Like, yeah. um, I think it's too easy to get laser focused on Nova Scotia and not picking up your head and looking outside of uh, that Atlantic region even. Um, and I would tell myself, get on a plane, go meet people at other places all over the world, shake hands, and then come back. Um, like, Don't be afraid to jump on a plane. You can stay here. But um, don't be afraid to jump on a plane for networking and stuff like that. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Thank you. That was How Do I Stay, a panel discussion hosted by Fusion Halifax, recorded and shared with permission. You can learn more about Fusion at fusionhalifax.ca. As you heard, even on a small panel of three, the experiences of young Nova Scotians vary greatly, and advice from those who choose to live and stay in the province is broad and varied. Is there anything the panelists said that stood out for you in particular? Do you have a story you'd like to share or know someone you think Engage should speak to? Email me at jeff at engagenovascotia.ca. Visit Engage online at engagenovascotia.ca. Follow us on Twitter at EngageNS. You can also find us on Facebook. Art for this series is by Megan Rushton. Visit her website at meganrushton.com. Songs in this episode are by Rich O'Coin. You can buy his music on iTunes. <laughs>